Philippians chapter number four, if you'll take your Bible and turn there, we'll read of Christ and the way that he became all that the Philippians needed. It's been preserved for us. It's for our help and admonition uh, here tonight as well that we might uh, truly set our hope in Christ. He ought not just be a part of your life. He ought to be like what Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so he uh, had that focus. Certainly ought to be ours as well. Philippians chapter number four. Philippians 4, and our passage tonight is going to be verses 6 and 7. We're going to start in verse number 1. Uh, last time we were in Philippians, um, uh, there's big snow and ice storm, and there was probably more watching by live stream than what was here live. Um, and uh, many at the campus, we had a, even a separate service going on there. So it's good to be back in, in here and all, all together. Amen. It's a blessing. Therefore, my beloved brethren, dearly beloved rather, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Odeus, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And then he says this, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep, it's actually a military term, works out well with our military emphasis, shall garrison, shall protect, shall guard. The peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds, and here's really the key, through Christ Jesus. It's not through the power of positive thinking. It's through Christ Jesus. It's a big distinction. So uh, tonight, the title is this in our series, Countered by Joy, The Command Post of Peace. The Command Post. The Command Post, of course, is the place from which the commander and the army controls, organizes their forces, Air Force, Similar scenario in all the other branches, the command post. You can think that way, right? A command post and the command post of peace. Is there a guard at the gate of your heart and your mind? Is there a guard at the gate of your heart and your mind? You can't just let any thought in. You better guard it. And it says right here, you got a guard if you do verse six. So we're going to look at it here tonight. I've been anxious about it all day. Not supposed to be anxious, right? Trust that God will help us because um, we all deal with anxiety. It can be a part of all of our lives. But God right here offers not just any peace, his peace. So may God bless his word as you're seated. <clears throat> Consider this great really mountaintop type verse, set of verses. If you've ever been on a military base or tried to get on, 
hopefully legally, <laughs> safely, <laughs> onto a military base. And you know that, I mean, it can be quite a process. Uh, Matt Birkinshaw was a member here for a long time. I mean, this, that name goes way back. Some of you would remember Matt Birkinshaw, but that was my first time going to Tinker Air Force Base uh, that I remember. And it was really easy to get on with Matt driving. He just showed his ID and and the young man there at the gate stood, you know, at attention. And, and so I got in based on him. Uh, we've met a husband and wife before. They said, here, just meet us outside of the gate, Eaker Gate, or one of the others. I'm not, I can't remember exactly which one, but nonetheless, they said, just meet us there and uh, we'll pull up and I'll get in the car with you. And then my wife will drive on through. And so that's what happened. And, and again, I got on easy that way. Well, when, when our son Tyler was at Fort Sill just last uh, well, this time of the year coming up and then into May, they had a family day. We we're real glad to get to be a part of that. So we went a day ahead. That's what they advised. And so we went into a certain building and filled out a form. In fact, I've got a copy of one of the forms that you get on online. And so you have to fill that form out and, uh, and then they take your picture. And I mean, it's, it's a little, it's a little bit of a process to be able to, to get on, but I get it because, uh, that base needs to be safe. It needs to be protected. Um, Heartland Baptist Bible College is not a military school, but we have a gate. We're right on 10th Street. We have a security guard. I, went, I ran this morning. I met a student, ran and didn't pull in the gate, but there's a, uh, well, Isaac Caesar was, was uh, he was there at the gate and he was awake. About six 30 this morning or so, something like that. And, and uh, we have, in fact, one of the members of Southwest uh, made a, a very generous gift and made it to where we could purchase some cameras and, and have a system like that. And so I don't know how many cameras are around, nearly 60, a bunch of them, because there's a lot of places you could get on campus and not supposed to be on campus. And so anyways, he was watching all that and keeping an eye on things. Here, here's what we're doing on 10th Street. We're trying to keep peace. We're trying to keep safety. We want Southwest Baptist Church to be a safe place, physically, but also spiritually. And, and, um, and, and really, here's as we tie into the text, it's, it's not just physical safety that we're concerned about, but spiritual safety and, and uh, unity uh, here at, at the church. And if, if, as a church family, we're going to have the type of unity that I know God wants us to have that we've been really emphasizing. I'll, I'll be honest with you, as I came into the book of Philippians, I, I was thinking about joy, like most people probably do. You think about the Philipp book of Philippians, you're going to think about joy. But the more I've gotten into the book of Philippians, the more I've seen, a lot of it is about church unity, and it's mainly about Jesus Christ. Well, if our focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ, here's what will happen. We will have a church unity, a God-given church unity, and it needs to be protected. We, we can't just let any rogue thought in here or any strange doctrine in here or any kind of a split to come in here. So how then, uh, you know, I mean, not only do we have somebody right now that's on guard. I was just up here on the second floor. We have a security guard here. We have a police officer out there. We have other guards that are patrolling the building. We, I mean, you think, good night, where are we? <laughs> right? We're at 54th and Blackwelder. 
And I appreciate Brother Todd Hahn watching over the cars in the South. So anyways, I mean, we got some physical safety, but I'm not focused on that tonight. I'm thinking about how do we protect the unity that's here at Southwest Baptist Church and even enhance it? How do we protect it? Well, that means this. That means that every one of us individually must practice verse 6 and 7 so that then the peace of God would keep our hearts and minds in, through Christ Jesus. Okay, so we, we want to give attention to that uh, because there are plenty of thoughts that would generate anxiety. And, um, and Paul, in the context here, is dealing with, well, the schism, the, the, the uh, conflict that came up between these two ladies. Uh, by the way, they were not troublemakers. They were faithful servants of Christ. And Paul was saying, now they've helped me. You know that that's true. They've helped many of you. And so uh, they're not troublemakers. They're just in a troubled spot. They'd work this out. And Paul just called them out by name and made for a very interesting church service when that happened, don't you know? But that's how important unity is. Well, I would imagine that you know, given the state, I mean, just think about the whole context. I mean, we're nearing the end of the book here, so we, we got we to gotta do our due diligence to keep, keep the context in mind. They're having pressure from without. There's, there is um, mounting, you know, persecution against the church, so there's pressure on the outside, and then there's conflict on the inside, and then let alone their own hearts that can cause some problems and difficulties. And so uh, there would be some, probably this, there would be some anxious thoughts, don't you think? Some anxious thoughts about what was going on around them in society and the pressures that were on them and on their families from society and the pressures from within, the anxieties that were there. And I would imagine it'd be real easy for them to get worried and get concerned. Worry, somebody said, is interest paid on trouble before it's due. Um, another individual said about worry, said our worst misfortunes never happen and most miseries lie in anticipation of them. That's where most of our misery is and just worrying about it. Mark Twain. I used some of these quotes back when we were in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6 about, uh, about, you know, take no thought for your life and don't worry about, you know, your food and your clothing and your raiment and all those things. Uh, Mark Twain said this, I am an old man and have known a great many of troubles, but most of them have never happened. Worry can cast a big shadow behind a small thing. Worry can cast a big shadow behind a small thing. And then Warren Worsby said this, worry is an inside job. Worry is an inside job. But here they were, they were experiencing, watch this now as we tie into this, they were experiencing outer friction between one another, but that outer friction was coming from some inner friction. You follow me? That outer friction, so if you've had some outer friction lately between you and somebody else, just mark it down. There's some inner friction that's already been going on in your heart before it ever got to be an outer friction. So if we're going to fix the outer friction, we got to fix the inner friction. If we're going to have peace between the members of the church, there's got to be peace within your own heart. Okay. We tend to worry, don't we? We tend to worry. Let me just run the list. Let me, this is not an exhaustive list, but maybe you've worried lately about bills, exams, taxes. 
taxes, relationships, children, vehicles, time, clothing, acceptance with peers, finding a mate or the mate you found, <laughs> health concerns, aging parents, the weather, our appearance, the future. I mean, there's so many things that we can get worried about. And, and worry and anxiety uh, can result in headaches and ulcers and digestive issues and heart issues and, and panic attacks and obsessive thoughts and compulsive behaviors and despair and even suicide. We heard last night the, the rising uh, numbers of suicide in our United States military. Staggering. Regarding the anxieties of life, life the stresses of life, there's healthy ways of dealing with it and unhealthy ways of dealing with it. I wanted to work this into the sermon tonight and also give you just an update and had a, had a real good about an hour long, hour and 15 minute uh, video conversation with the Burgets last night, yesterday. It was, it was awesome. All the kids were there, but Jonathan turned the camera to, you know, kind of three at a time. <laughs> there are 10 kids and man, there was a lot of giggling going on in there, man. It was awesome. I had such a good time interacting with the Burgets. Well, many of you know that uh, Miss Tabitha has MS or the beginning stages of it. And, and one thing with MS is that it's, John, Jonathan was explaining to me, I'm glad to give you this report, by the way, that she's doing quite well. Uh, what they've done is, is monitoring that, managing that, and, and she, she looked great and looked like she was doing well. And, and so I, I just want to praise God for that. Because another thing that Brother Jonathan pointed out, and I'd heard this before, but stress aggravates... MS. Well, here you are in a foreign culture, learning a language, learning a culture with a husband and 10 kids. You're bound to have some possibility for some stress right there. And yet here she was calm, smiling. I mean, I realize she's on the camera and everything, but nonetheless, at peace. Paul here is giving God's antidote to worry, God's antidote to anxious thoughts. It's the divine remedy for a troubled soul. One man said, when a person has joy within, gentleness around, and prayer above, he'll have peace. Since God provides a remedy... You can't dismiss worry as though it's okay. I mean, if God provides a remedy, is that saying a reason here? If God provides a remedy for this, telling you how you, uh, in fact, tells you, it, it is, in fact, a, a present imperative form of the verb when he says, be careful for nothing. Present imperative. Imperative means this is what I want you to do. This is what you should do. You should not worry. Stop worrying. I'm glad he didn't stop right there. Because if that's all he had to say, that wouldn't be the grounds to say it. Because it'd be like, you know, I mean, you, somebody tells you, you're, you're worried, you're anxious about something. And, and somebody comes along and they tell you this. Stop worrying. Well, that's worrisome. <laughs> Itself. 
You know, I, I, if you want a good read, now it's going to be a slow read and you'll have to really think your way through it. But Alexander McLaren from the 1800s wrote about this passage. And I mean, it's pages. Anytime I come, you know, on a, a certain uh, commentary uh, website that I use and it's Alexander McLaren, I know that it's going to be, it's going to be long, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. And he said this, if, if this is all that Paul had to say when he said, be careful for nothing, that'd be like telling the, the ships, and he's there near in England area, the ships in the bay to stay at even kill, even though the waves are going up and down and high. Stay steady. Stop going up and down. Can you imagine telling a ship, stay still in the sea? for goodness sake. <laughs> or telling the willows, he said, uh, telling the willows beside the river to stand straight against the wind. They're going to blow over. If that's all he had to say, he said, I'd have a great deal of things to be worried about. Well, that's not all he had to say. You can't, you can't say tonight, I'm not, you, you, some of you are worried about a lengthy service because you know we've got a business meeting after this. Don't worry. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. <laughs> but you can't say, you can't say tonight, well, look, I'm just the worrying type. It's just, uh, it's just who I am. I'm just the worrying type. Could, would we allow a, a, a drunkard to be able to say, hey, look, I'm just the drinking type. <laughs> I come from a long line of drinkers. What do you expect? Well, same thing. If you say, well, I, you know, I mean, I'm a worry wart. I come from a long line of worry warts. So, I mean, it's just in our family. Yes, it is. It's on the Adam side. It's on the Adam side. We all are on that side. We all have that tendency. And Paul is saying, listen, it doesn't fit who you are because of who you're in. All right. So he says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep, shall garrison, shall patrol. Hey, you want God's peace? Wait a minute. I'm not talking about man's peace. I'm not talking about something shallow. I'm talking about God's peace garrisoning or patrolling your heart and mind, your heart and mind, the heart would be your emotions, uh, the seed of your emotions, and your mind would be your thoughts. So how about this? How about we had in our, in our church, as we're individually doing this, that we have God's peace, I mean, God's peace that's not shaken with the wind, God's peace watching over, guarding our hearts, our emotions, and our thoughts. You know, that, that right there would, would give itself to a stable life. But here's, here's what happens. There, in fact, there's a really good resource. I, I wanted to mention it. Uh, if you were to buy the whole program, uh, it'd be about $129, but it'd probably be well worth it. Someday we may even do it as a Bible study here or some kind of a... Uh, I, I don't know in what format, but Quieting a Noisy Soul by Jim Berg. I can't say that I've read it all. I've read bits and pieces of it. I've read the book God, about God being more than enough. Fantastic. But I, I kind of thought back through some of that today with, with our text, Be Careful for Nothing, because he deals with that head on. 
And, and I just wanted to mention that. You can go to quieting, not now, quietinganoisysoul.com, uh, I think it is, or .org, one of those. Um, it's in my notes if you can find it. Just go on there and, and there's a lot of articles that you can read on anxiety and how to overcome it and a lot of good help there and, and the DVD that is there and the CDs and the book and the workbook. I'm telling you, I know, I know some people that are very dear to my heart that have been through some real struggles with fear and anxiety and all those things. But, but ultimately, it's not, it's not what a man named Jim Berg wrote, but here's what he did. He got into what God has said and who God is and he got into God's word and, and listen, don't, don't think you're at a place where God can't help you because he can. But here's the, here's the way down if you wanted to, to think about it. I mean, it's really simple. It all, for every one of us, it begins with unbelief. It begins with unbelief. You know, you know um, even when Jesus rebuked the disciples because of their anxiety, what, what did he say? where is your faith or something of that nature? It was about the faith. So here's what happens uh, in anxiety, a couple of different ways that it plays out. Unbelief. Unbelief is this, that, that I don't believe that God is doing everything he ought to be doing in my life. And I don't believe that God is enough. And so then I am wanting more than God. And so then I get discontent with God and that is the first step down. There's a lot more that goes into this. For the sake of time, I'm not gonna go into it. I've got, I've got a lot of notes. I do wanna go to one, one page. Can you bear with me here just a minute? Cause I, I'm nowhere near Miss Debbie. I know you're trying to sign and follow where I am. I have no idea where I am. So you probably don't know where I am in my notes either. <laughs> but I'm not worried about it. Are you worried about it? I'm not worried about it. Here's what happens. Okay, just again, a gate. Let's think about it using the analogy of the sermon, not so much of his book, but of the sermon, but of the text. A gate, if you let unbelief in unguarded, you listen to me? You let doubt about God and his goodness in unguarded and you're no longer believing the truth. Now you're living in an imaginary world. You're living in a world that doesn't exist. Because listen to this, a world where God does not love does not exist. A, a world where God is not in control does not exist. Everybody listen to that. A world where God is not in control that doesn't exist. A world where God is not with me or doesn't hear my cry, that doesn't exist. A world that, where God is overly tough or mean-spirited, it doesn't exist. So what can happen is we begin to believe a lie and we let those, those uh, thoughts come in like, a, like terrorists and they terrorize our soul and it attacks our contentment. And then you begin to think things like this. This is why I went back to my notes. I'm on page eight in case you didn't know. <laughs> if, only I, if only my spouse would try to understand me. If only my boss would try to understand me. If only... If only my parents would try to understand me. If only people appreciated me more. If only I had more freedom. If only I had more money. If only I had more authority. If I had better health. If I had less pain. If I had more answers about what's going on in my life. If I hadn't messed up. If I had different parents. If I had different roommates. Now that might help, but anyways, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. If I had different parents. If I had different roommates. If I weren't married. If I was married. 
These all imply that I would have satisfaction if things were different. But that's not true. And so because you feel like you don't have what you need, it goes into one of these two forms, either anxiety or anger. And anxiety is this, according to Mr. Berg, anxiety is this, the emotion of uncertainty. What if I don't get what I need? Anger is this, the emotion of displeasure. I'm upset because I don't have what I need. This leads to despair. Okay, so on one hand, you have the disciples saying, Lord, don't you care that we perish? They thought they lived in a world that God didn't care. They thought they lived in a world where God wasn't in control. But here in just a moment, he's going to stand up and say, peace be still. And it was calm. So evidently he did care and evidently he was in control. But at this moment, they were very careful. On the other side is Moses taking the rod, striking the rock because he's upset with all the people and they didn't have what they needed. He didn't feel like he had what he needed. And so he just hauled off and hit the rock. What that does then is that leads one more rung down. So it begins. Is everybody following this? It begins with unbelief. It goes to discontentment. It goes into either anxiety or anger or maybe a mixture of the two, but ultimately ends right here in despair. A feeling of hopelessness. And that's where you get depression and um, turning to other substances and other things to try to cope with that. When really, since there's a way down, there's actually a way out. And Paul gave it to us in two little verses, power pack verses that could probably take about another series to really delve it out. But let me just say it this way, as he says here, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request with thanksgiving. About near left that out. With thanksgiving, let your request, and that is a present imperative, in intending that it's supposed to be going on, going, on, going. And so here's what he's saying. Here's why you get anxious. Because you try to make life work your way. And you think life isn't working if you don't have what you think that you need. When really what you need to do is just talk to God about everything. And if you talk to God about everything... Then, then you know and, and you can trust that he's able. So here's what happens. I, I, it's, it's really not complicated because, because uh, thankfully for our sake, it, it's this way that when I, when I don't practice verse 6 and I'm careful or I don't, I don't practice all of verse 6, I'm practicing rather well the first part of verse 6 about being careful about everything. Right? In fact, Mr. McLaren said this. Those who do not pray about everything are troubled about most things. But when you pray, see what happens there is, and it's sincere prayer, not just ritualistic prayer, not, you get what I'm saying. I'm talking about true communion with God, true confidence in God, faith-filled prayer, knowing that God is, knowing that he loves you, knowing that he's in control, knowing that, that all those things that the Bible, in other words, basically knowing this, God, you are more 
than enough in my situation. I'm all worked up about it, but you're not worked up about what I'm worked up about. Aren't you glad that God doesn't get all worked up about what you and I get worked up about? And here's why we get worked up about it, because we're trying to figure it out or we're trying to do it according to our own understanding, our ways of taking care of things, and thus it's on us. In fact, Mr. Berg said this, every noisy soul is a self-absorbed soul. But if I will stop focusing on myself and focus where I really should and that on the God who is, and I realize that he truly is more than enough, then I can come to him and say, dear God, I've lost hours at work and I'm concerned about that, but I know you're not concerned about it, so would you help me trust you? And God, I'm in this situation where I don't know how to handle it with this person, but I know you know how to handle them. Do you, do you feel the shift that grows there? In other words, it's not the burden on you anymore, but it's you saying, God, I cannot handle this, but I know According to your word, number one, that you care, that you love me, that that hasn't changed, and that you know exactly what to do. In fact, if what you want me to do is just absolutely nothing, I know that you can handle it all by yourself. And I approach God with faith-filled prayer. So you could either go through life filled with anxiety or you could go through life with faith-filled prayer to say, God, I know that I'm not sufficient for these things, but I'm coming to you. In fact, I'm thankful for what you've already done in my life. And God, I'm thankful for how you're going to handle this. And I'm making this request. And this one, and this one, and this one. And I'm going through life praying about it. Rather than anxious about it. That's the two choices you have. Go through life anxious about it or go through life prayerful or trusting about it. We sang a moment ago, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. We sang a moment ago, day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. You know what that is? That's us being careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, letting our requests be made known unto God. And here's what happens. The peace of God, the peace that he provides, moves in. And it protects, it garrisons, it patrols our hearts and minds so that our emotions and our thoughts are calm. Here again is the key through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. It's not even in my ability to just, I got to really keep thinking the right things. It's actually in my relationship with Christ, I know He's there. And I know he cares. And I know he's able. And every one of us are prone to get self-absorbed and thus filled with anxiety. And we just need to realize who he is. I think what happens often is people um, that are struggling with a lot of the normal things of life get labeled with all kinds of stuff when really it's this. They need to know the Lord and be submissive to Him. I wonder how many problems that would solve in homes, lives. I wonder how many church problems that that would resolve 
if we just got close to the Lord and rejoiced in Him, and if we were known not for our conflict, but if we were known for our gentleness with one another, our moderation, I wonder how many problems that would solve. It'd go a long way. So what Paul is saying here is, is basically this, and there's a lot more that can be said, and maybe we're going to come back and even say it. It's just that prayer with thanksgiving protects you from terrorizing and anxious care. Prayer, true, God-oriented, understanding who He is, type prayer will keep you from care. I don't mean to sound trite. I don't even mean to make it more simplistic or sound too simplistic. But the key is this. Remember to whom it is that you pray. Father, thank you this evening. That God, you, uh, you know our tendencies to be anxious, to worry, fret, fear, all those things that can come and even to the point of being hopeless about it. But God, I'm thankful that even when we are at that state, you never are. And we can come to you, and I'm thankful that we may continually resort unto you, dear God. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us even to, to mine out the truths of these verses in the coming weeks, Lord, to know the peace that passes all understanding, and then to be at peace with one another, and to be where you want us in life. Lord, I thank you that we can talk to you about everything that bothers us. I'm thankful, God, that you care about our financial concerns and health concerns and the salvation of a family member, life decisions. They're more than what we can handle, God, but they're not more than what you can handle. And I'm grateful for that. And I pray that you'd help us to let the peace that you provide to keep the gate, not let thoughts of quitting or lustful thoughts or bitter thoughts or thoughts of doubt, doubt of one's salvation or whatever it may be, God, flood in or come in and just cause all kinds of trouble in the soul. Lord, I thank you that you provide the peace that passes all understanding tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.